the coming global recession. Let's have a look. Good morning, everyone. I'm Florian Heiser, and welcome to another episode of Heiser Says. I thought we'd start the week by having a look at this article, which highlights, or analysis, which highlights the boom, doom, and gloom and the relationship between Australia and the United States. You know, what a, what a better way to start the week. I've got my morning stein, and I'm ready to hit the ground running on Monday. But before we look at that, I want to just draw your attention to two websites that regulars of the channel will be very familiar with, but which I just find very useful. And this is not sponsored content, guys. There's The first is the Observatory of Economic Complexity, and this is just displaying every nation in the world and a whole lot of factors to help give you an understanding. The one that concerns me is the economic complexity of Australia, where we're 59th in the world. And you can go through and see what we're exporting, what we're importing, trade balances, the destinations and sources for all of our exports and imports. And it gives you a good understanding when, you know, our treasurer is hoping that domestic demand in China will ensure there's you know, enough pull for Australian products. How much of an impact that could have on our economy? You know, what we're exporting, where it's going to. So you can get a bit of an understanding of what they're trying to pull. What they're trying to pull. The second one is Trading Economics. And it's just a fantastic website that has all, you know, pretty much nearly every bit of economic data for every country in the world that you can refer to. I mean, let, let's have a look here. We've got Australia GDP growth rate. The last was 0 0.5. We've got the reference previous and then the range and how often it's updated. We can see here the interest rates. I mean, you know, everyone's favorite. You can see where it's heading. We've got historical data. So this is useful combining with the information we get from OEC, you know, looking at the data here to paint a picture of what people are claiming. So there's issues in the United States there's issues in Australia. We can see that United States and China do a lot of trading. United States is also a big investor in Australia. Our exports go to the go to to uh, China. The problem is, we are, frankly, a very primitive economy here in Australia. We dig stuff up out of the ground. We grow stuff. We send it overseas. We buy more advanced things back. Okay, we're we're a colony on the edge of the world, digging stuff out of the ground. So, guys. If you like this type of content, if you like the stuff I'm producing, please share it around with your family and friends. The more people that think about the headlines and you know what is going on with the world and in a global perspective, the better. Then we can challenge our politicians, particularly when they all just aren't even sitting in the House of Reps to listen to debate. That cash ban still has me annoyed. So, why the long faces, everyone? For years, Australian consumers have been twitchy, with good reason. A lethal combination of soaring household debt, overpriced real estate, and painfully weak wages have seen households slam the brakes on spending. Now, if we jump over here to the Observatory of Economic... Sorry, the Trading Economics, let's have a look at household debt. And there's a good one here, which is... We'll go under to consumers. We can see consumer credit. And you can see how much it has risen. So consumer credit is really all the purchases we do on smaller things. A bit different to mortgages, but look at that, how high it's gone. So that's another thing to keep in mind, because remember, any debt people take on, that's delayed future, future spending, future economic activity pulled 
to the present. So now the pessimism is spreading to business world and to financial markets. Well, yes, we can see here, this is consumer sentiment is heading down, is heading down. And once again, we can take advantage of the data from, from uh, trading economics and they can show us business confidence has gone down again. We'll pull out to five years. You can see it's trending down. So now the pessimism is spreading to the business world and to financial markets. A survey of corporate leaders last week, almost 1,500 company directors found that almost 60% were concerned the economy would deteriorate next year, citing a laundry list of problems that primarily focused on things outside our control, China trade wars and weak global conditions. See, this is the problem. Our economy is so simple. It is so simple. So we are pretty much, you know, to, to steal one of Martin North's favorite term, a Coke, no, no, a Coke, I can't even do it properly, a, uh, a cork floating in the ocean, being lifted and right, <laughs> moved around. I did that terrible. I mean, no one even knows. Young people don't even know what a cork is anymore, guys. You go buy a bottle of wine, it's got a screw top, okay? It's, it's sacrilege. Anyway, back back to this. We're at the whims of the world. Few, it appears, have convinced, are convinced by the Reserve Bank's recent soothing remarks that we've entered a gentle upswing. In fact, just 8% reckon things will be better next year. Wow. Was anyone falling for that? After Because all the time, you know, every time you hear, oh, that was unexpected, that was unexpected, that was unexpected coming from the RBA, and they tell you something, are you going to believe anything? <laughs> Maybe it's just I'm reading too much stuff. After decades of growth driven by a resource boom, a housing boom, an immigration boom, a construction boom, it would be appear that we're running out of options for economic momentum yeah we've got what else can we boom guys what, what what boom is left maybe you know the socialism boom that'll that'll drive the economy that's it all the young people u.s bosses get the blues it's not just here either the mood of american business executives suddenly has turned sour after two years of celebrating the rise of donald trump whose corporate tax cuts added a burst of nitro to an already overrevved wall street they're too they too are anxious about the future a study last week showed confidence among American chief executives has dropped to its lowest level in a decade. That's despite a constant success of Wall Street highs. Wait, that's the thing. That's the thing, guys. You've got to realize the shares, the share market is not, in some ways, isn't the best indicator of an economy. Because often these companies will borrow money and then use it to buy back their shares themselves, and that will drive up the price. Or they'll cut costs and they'll use that to buy back their shares. So their earnings per share, because there's less shares around, might look like it's improving, but it isn't. It's all smoke and mirrors in a way. Apple is, is remarkable. Apparently, Woolworths are looking at it too with their corporate restructuring. I need to look at that a little bit more, see what I can find. But let me know if you've seen it before, guys. For two years, corporate America has pumped up company valuations and hence executive bonuses through buying back shares, essentially showering investors with cash. It's been financed with tax cuts and cheap debt. And that's the problem. Very little cash was invested for the future. There we go. There we go. The sugar hit from tax cuts now has evaporated. And with overstretched balance sheets, there's rising apprehension about borrowing more to simply hand back to investors, even with falling interest rates. Not surprisingly, the share buybacks suddenly have started to fall, raising concerns that one of Wall Street's key pillars has begun to crumble. How is that a key pillar? That's, that's, yeah. Okay, time for silver and gold, everyone. In the second quarter, American companies spent $166 billion 
soaking up their own shares. That's well below the previous quarter's 205 billion and 190 billion they spent in the same period last year. If it continues to drop, a large slab of demand for shares will be removed. No wonder the horses are jittery. Money markets ignore the lowdown. Ignore the lowdown. No. See, it's too early in the week, guys. Stein of coffee in the morning it keeps you it keeps you going. Maybe that's why I started going bald so young. Despite all the reassurances that the economy is in recovery, the Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe's incantations that we're about to return to normal conditions next year, bond markets, the financial markets that really matter, simply don't believe it. Yeah, no one believes it anymore. No, when I learned just the social justice thinking that he has, I have even less confidence in his economic abilities. If he believes in things like the wage gap and systematic discrimination based on gender when we've got laws against it, if anything, it's heading the other way. Just look at Queensland. Yeah. You know, come on. Come on. Given his recent bullish comments to an IMF meeting in Washington, most pundits have scaled back the odds of a November rate cut. But there is a substantial bet on a pre-Christmas cut and almost certainly one early in the new year. It's a weird contradiction. Even senior RBA officials have hinted at just how they might continue propping things up once they've exhausted their options on interest rates. So, if things really get desperate, would say a bank banking crisis, and the RBA cuts to 0.25%, it seems likely the RBA's first step will be to inject money directly into the economy through what's known as open market operations. This would help narrow the gap between the cash rate and the rate banks charge mortgage holders. It did this during the financial crisis in 2008, but interest rates were much higher back then. This time around, mortgage repayments could drop to around 1% or even lower. US bond markets have behaved in a similar fashion. Late last year, American bond yields were rising in anticipation of a return to normal economic conditions. The Trump administration's trade war put pay to all that. While US employment is still strong, I don't know, it depends where you look. As is the case here, again, it depends where you look. It's to do with the methodology, guys. And I will just record the time and I'll link to a video on the Roy Morgan difference between its unemployment analysis and Australians. I mean, one hour a week in the survey period, it's just, it's a joke, guys. You know? So stocks, stock float sinking. There's an unmistakable air of nervousness on the stock market. While the market sits just below record levels, three major companies have been forced to back out of the stock market debut on the 11th hour. The first was Latitude Finance, the former GE money that enlisted the services of Ahmed Fura in a bid to convince investors to tip their hard earnings. Then came Retail Zoo, owner of Boost Juice, and last Thursday, Singapore-based property group pulled its $362 million float. In each case, investors balked at the valuations. Latitude, which at $1 billion was to have been the richest float of the year, simply wasn't worth the price tag, neither were the others. Yeah, we're seeing this more and more, aren't we? And he's talking about WeWork here. That followed a string of failures on Wall Street, the most spectacular being WeWork. From one of the most anticipated floats just a few months ago, and worth the supposed $100 billion, it is so it now is in crisis, with founder and Adam Newman, sacked in a high-profile Japanese backer, SoftBank desperately attempted to keep it afloat. I mean, that's the thing, guys. It's a landlord company. It's a landlord company. It's not a tech company. I don't know why SoftBank brought it into its portfolio when you look at all the other stuff. And I want to learn a bit more about SoftBank because it seems very interesting. Uber and Lyft are trading at huge discounts to their listing prices and investors, it would appear, have had enough. Well, yeah, they make no money. 
The developments have sent shockwaves through the venture capital and private equity industries and could be making some superannuation fund managers squirm. With interest rates so low, super funds desperately have been seeking high returns with many opting for alternative investments. It's been a strategy that has delivered handsome returns until now. Venture capitalist firms that inject cash into startups have been hyping the value of their investments, repeatedly making them up each time they invest more cash despite many of them still burning cash. Private equity firms, meanwhile, have paid over the odds for old fixer-uppers, hoping a lick of paint and some new carpet may be enough to paper over the enormous debts and poor prospects when they flick them off to the stock market investors. If you think it'll work, guys, or do you think people are going to wake up to it all? We've seen too much of it. When all else fails, fire up the property boom. Yeah, well, that's that's the worry, isn't it? <laughs> Our demographics are just not growing enough. It's not going to work, guys. It's not going to work. So what do you do when you, when you cash in a low-interest world if everything is overpriced? If there's one area where Australia is showing no signs of restraint. It's in real estate. Well, yes, it is. This core logic data, the boys at Interest of People, Northam and Adams have challenged this assumption. And it, it just it doesn't seem to make sense. The three rate cuts since June have done little to ignite the real economy. Instead, after almost two years of declines, property prices are apparently bouncing back with a vengeance at least on the East Coast, according to one source of data. According to CoreLogic, the past weekend saw the busiest week for auctions this year, with clearance rates climbing to a national average of more than 75%. That's irrelevant. Clearance rates don't matter because it's to do with supply, the amount of stuff that's sold. This time last year was 48%. Well, maybe more was for sale last year. Come on! With pressure on regulators to ease the credit restrictions imposed in the wake of the Banking Royal Commission, it would appear the Federal Government and the Reserve Bank are keen for anything to boost sentiment and lift spirits, even if it is a return to the boom that caused the household debt problem in the first place. What could possibly go wrong? Well, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? I think we all know what could go wrong. I think we all know what could go wrong. We could be the you know, first step in a nice, big, global recession. Anyway, guys, discuss it in the comments. Let me know what you think. Do you agree with this take? How's Iron, uh, Ian doing? Iron doing? I'm thinking iron ore prices. <laughs> Do you think uh, it'll make a difference? And how many more of these like overvalued unicorns are we going to see? Anyway, like, share, and subscribe. Share the content. Share the channel. If you'd like to support me to help me produce more of these videos, I have a Patreon and Subscribestar. I also have affiliate links. And I appreciate all your help. Take care, everyone, and I'll talk to you later today.